This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, September 15th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. The new edition of the Ford Mustang includes a feature that lets you rev the engine even when you're not in the car. We'll learn more about that in our next segment. But right now, the report on retail sales is out, along with the latest tally of jobless claims. Plus, mortgage rates climbed to 6% something we have not seen since 2008. Let's comb through the numbers with Bob Brusca, Chief Economist with Fact and Opinion Economics based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. The uh, Despite all of this discussion about uh, whether or not we're in a recession, if the numbers uh, indicate that, the job market continues chugging along. Yeah, the job market has been a huge surprise. Um, this decline in jobless claims is quite surprising given weakness in other Economic data, um, you know, although the retail sales report uh, poked its head up above zero today, it's still not a very strong report. And if you take the autos out of it, we have another decline in retail sales. So it was only automobiles that poked it up. Um, it's it's very difficult. Uh, the job market remains uh, robust, but the economy clearly is slowing down. We've got you know weaker reports and for industrial production and for the look ahead from the Philadelphia Fed and from the Empire State, the New York Fed. Uh, there are a lot of weak reports out today, but the job market uh, is immovable. On the uh, retail sales front, uh, is it concerning as an economist that uh, if you take autos and gas out of the picture, the retail sales declined even at back-to-school time? Well, um, yeah, people say this all the time. Remember, these, these data are seasonally adjusted. And so the data, the seasonal factors expect that, that bump in spending from back to school. So um, that shouldn't really be a big part of the data. That should be reflected in the seasonal adjustment factors. But, uh, yeah, the point that you make is correct. I mean, uh, when, you, when you look at retail sales, there's really a lot more weakness in this report. You've got uh, some bounce in autos. It may just be a one-month thing. It doesn't look at all like a trend yet. And uh, a lot of weakness elsewhere in spending. And, you know, those spending numbers have been gradually coming down. So uh, if you look at the growth rates for spending, they're weaker. And if you deflate them for inflation, uh, they look, uh, you know, quite weak. So there isn't much here to drive growth. There's something from the Atlanta Fed called GDP Now. And it looks at GDP uh, for the quarter ahead based on data we have in hand only. So it's not exactly a forecast, but their number is under half a percent now for the third quarter. That's a sharp markdown on today's data. And mortgage rates uh, above 6% for the first time since 2008, uh, before the uh, financial crisis and the Great Recession and the jobless recovery that uh, followed it. Why did it take so long for rates to reach this number? Um, 
Well, a number of reasons, and mostly that the bond market hasn't really pushed yields up, and and mortgage rates, uh, we tend to look at 30-year mortgage rates, and they have a duration that's more like a 7- to 10-year note in the bond market. So you look at that section of the bond market to see what's going on. And the bond market has been thinking that the Fed's going to get inflation controlled. So even though inflation has been really high, longer-term interest rates have held in there, even as the Fed has raised short-term rates. So this has been a bit of a conundrum, and it's led to something we call an inverted yield curve with short rates higher than longer rates. And uh, that, for a while, protected mortgage rates. But you know, now uh, there is more pressure. The inflation numbers have been a little bit worse. The bond market's getting hit a little bit, and you're seeing it in the mortgage market. It's a tough time for homeowners. Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, the American Muscle Car is alive and well at Ford. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Ford has unveiled the seventh-generation model of its legendary Mustang. Let's check the specs with Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter in Detroit. Uh, The Detroit Auto Show in full swing and in person for the first time in three years. And before we talk about the Mustang, Jeff, uh, what's it like to have an in-person Detroit auto show once again? It's very nice to have an auto show and very different. They moved the show from its frigid January time frame, and you in Chicago know all about having a cold time frame for an auto show to September where it's quite nice. And uh, the Detroit show also pivoting. It's, it's becoming more of a consumer show again, like Chicago, and a little less of a media show. And uh, President Biden was uh, there yesterday, and everyone saw the pictures of uh, his eyes going wide uh, looking at the uh, brand-new Corvette that was on display. Yeah, in fact, I was there the day before when they were shining it up because they were going, you know, hint, hint. I I think he's going to like to look at this Corvette. And uh, when he went on the floor, GM CEO Mary Barra took him right over. And, you know, he actually did take a little ride in in an electric vehicle. So, you know, while the Corvette was really cool, the purpose of being here was to push EVs. Yeah, Biden is a longtime Corvette guy, but uh, Mustang uh, guys and Mustang gals, uh, they will have uh, two different muscle cars from which to choose. Uh, We talked about the electric Mustang before, but uh, Ford is now coming out with uh, what you might want to call Mustang Classic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a gasoline-powered Mustang. It's a new version. The the exterior styling is is very evolutionary. I mean, you had to put them next to each other to tell much of a difference. The interior has been greatly upgraded. They've added a few horsepower, and they've added an extra trim. You know, Mustangs like to have special trims like the Bullet Mustang and the Shelbys. Well, now they have the Dark Horse, which is an all-black you know, kind of tough-looking, sinister-looking Mustang with 500 horsepower. Doesn't this run against the grain, though, especially in the muscle car space where the uh, automakers have all said they're going to phase out their gasoline-powered muscle cars and possibly come back with electric models? And then here's uh, Ford saying, uh, yeah, we're we're still uh, continuing production of the uh, gasoline Mustang for the time being. Funny you should ask that question because we asked that question of Bill Ford uh, last night, who, who's the chairman of the company, and he said they'll keep making gasoline-powered versions of the Mustang as long as customers want them. Of course, they have the electric Mustang Mach-E and a fast GT version, and, and you've got to assume that they'll have something electric in a Mustang Coupe in the not-too-distant future. And and the reality is that, that fuel economy rules, being what they are, is even if all Mustangs 
don't become pure EV. The gasoline ones are going to need electrification and hybridization to, to get that kind of power and the kind of fuel economy. I mean, that that is just basic engineering these days. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Reporter in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The early season numbers are in and they show the power of the NFL. Let's take a look at the numbers with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to take a look at the uh, top 10 Nielsen programs on network television from 40 years ago, and you only had one football program in the top 10, and that was Monday Night Football. And then this week, the entire top 10 list is football, with with one exception, that old stalwart 60 Minutes. I mean, football and live sports are really the only things that are uh, uh, holding up broadcast TV at this point. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I mean, um, I I don't know what that says about uh, the state of broadcast television, either that there's just uh, a a, a shocking decline in uh, large audience-grabbing dramas and comedies and sort of traditional classic primetime fare. And that abandonment has led to uh, major holes in those schedules and in steps, uh, maybe the only thing that distinguishes uh, from streaming uh, opportunities and streaming offerings, and that's live sports. And the king, of course, of live sports for the last uh, decade or two has been the NFL and football generally, frankly. It does spill over in the college and big games as well. Um, but to make no mistake, the live sports thing is a uh, distinct, different, and maybe unique uh, scenario that today most of the streaming uh, operators don't sort of, um, you know, sort of have a, a handle on yet. Although today is an interesting day to be having this conversation, right? Yeah, yes. This is the debut of Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, and uh, already saw a number of people saying that I should probably figure out how Amazon Prime works this morning, as opposed to fumbling around with the uh, smart TV remote tonight. But I do want to ask you, um, how many parallels exist uh, between this moment and, let's say, 70 years ago when all of the radio network dramas moved over to television? Sports on the radio found a way to make that transition, and radio found a new way to uh, find an audience after the uh, dramas moved to TV. And will we see something a similar thing happen with broadcast television, where uh, broadcast TV kind of becomes what local radio used to be and all the entertainment programs moved to this new technology of streaming. Yeah, I think it's possible, right? I mean, we see some signals of the uh, decline in the uh, traditional scheduling of broadcast networks, right? The, the seemingly every two year or three year float of the idea by NBC to possibly do away with uh, in Chicago, the nine o'clock last hour of uh, prime time. Um, uh, we see the decline of, uh, uh, of, of just television programming, especially in prime time across a whole litany of, of uh, content genres and just the simple um, uh, uh, unplugging, if you will, of cables and satellite subscription. Um, you know, broadcast television uh, is very durable for sure. And the reach of broadcast television, more people can, can watch it than any other form of, uh, of video offering out there, streaming included. Um, but the reality is the, the it, broadcast television served a purpose for the last, you know, number 50 plus years. Right. And it's it's essentially as a department store, if you will, of programming across all kinds of genres. 
We're now in a world of niches, right? And streaming is sort of the ultimate expression of that and personalized at that. And when people can get stuff uh, that they want to watch individually at their fingertips and make choices, um, that's very hard for, quote, unquote, broadcast television trying to serve a broad audience. Uh, and frankly, the only things that really kind of bring broad audiences anymore are things like NFL football games and major events like the Oscars. Um, and even those are in decline. So, you know, that's a relative statement. Um, so it's durable, however, but we'll see how it evolves. And this is a conversation for another time. Maybe this will be the jumping off point for the next conversation. But what happens um it used to be 40 years ago, you would have these hit programs and they would bring in hundreds of millions of dollars in profits to their network, which were then reinvested into program research and development. And yes, you had a lot of, you know, bomb shows like Bring Em Back Alive or Voyagers or the Devlin Connection, but that also made Three's Company possible. And what happens uh, when you have uh, much smaller uh, streaming revenues and, and how do you develop new programs when, when there's a lot less money flowing in? So that'll be the discussion for the next time. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. We look forward to having that conversation. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, we learn about a game changer in the crypto industry. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Union workers reach a tentative contract agreement with railroad companies. The latest group of migrants shipped north are dropped at the home of the vice president. In Technology Thursday, a major software upgrade will have a huge impact on cryptocurrency. And there's a breakup between clothing retailer Gap and rapper Kanye West. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is up 96 points. The NASDAQ is down 47. And the S&P 500 is down 7. AccuWeather says hazy sunshine today. Some clouds turning warmer. A high of 83, 78 degrees right now under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a tentative deal to avoid a national rail strike has been reached. President Biden made the announcement from the White House this morning. This agreement is validation. Validation what I've always believed. Unions and management can work together, can work together for the benefit of everyone. The accord means there will be no interruptions in Metra service tomorrow. The agreement must be approved by the union's rank-and-file members. The bitter political battle over the Biden administration immigration policy has reached the home of Vice President Harris. Two buses of migrants from the U.S.-Mexico border were dropped off outside the U.S. Naval Observatory, home of Vice President Harris. About two dozen men and women stood outside at dawn, holding plastic bags full of belongings before moving to a church. It's unclear which GOP governor sent them. Greg Abbott has been busing migrants out of Texas to cities with Democratic mayors. Arizona's Doug Ducey has also adopted the policy first dreamed up by Donald Trump. Yesterday, Florida's Ron DeSantis sent two planes of immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. 
Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed at this hour. We're joined by Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. It's somewhat remarkable there was not a little bit of pop based on the uh, news that there was a tentative agreement between the freight railroads and the uh, unions, given the uh, importance of the railroad industry to the economy at large. Well, good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that was some good news, but the market is, is all eyes are on the Fed. Um, the Fed meets next week. They'll announce Wednesday. They're definitely going to raise rates. Uh, bond prices are telling us it's going to be 75 basis points. Uh, it, it, it was expected to be about 50 about a month ago, and now it's up to 75. There are some folks saying it might even be 100. So things like uh, union deals uh, in one industry are just not going to move this market when the macro is what matters right now. So we're waiting for next Wednesday. Uh, we at MJP Capital are pretty confident it will be a 75 basis point hike and then a pause. But the bond market is saying that there's after the 75, there's another 50 to 75 coming and maybe even 100. I mean, the one-year uh, treasury right now is yielding 4%. That's the highest I've seen it in, I mean, it's been over 10 years. And what's scary is that the yield curve is inverted drastically, uh, which that generally signals recession. And the, 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 the amount it, it's been inverted right now is the highest it's been in at least 25 years. I'm going back to the late 90s where the last time we had this kind of a setup. So the market is saying that we have a very, uh, it, it's a medium to high likelihood of a recession coming and that the Fed is being too hawkish. That's what the market is saying, and, and markets don't like things like that. And, and that's why we're, 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 we're lucky to be treading water. We were down pretty significantly about an hour ago. We've come back to almost flat. So we'll see what the Fed ha- does next week. That's basically what we're waiting on. Today's data points, uh, retail sales, and, of course, uh, the uh, first-time uh, applications for unemployment shows a strong job market. Uh, what, what does that tell you today, both on the, uh, on the retail sales front and on the uh, employment front? Well, you know, th- that, those were good reports, but we also had some, some bad ones, too. So, you know, we had um, uh, the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index came in really bad, and, you know, in- industrial production was negative in August, and it was expected to be flat. So you've got both sides here. So it's it's a mixed bag. And most importantly, Powell and the Fed continue to talk about being hawkish. So these numbers, you know, they're if they came actually if they came out more negative, it might cause a rally in, in stocks just because it would lower you know expectations of Fed rate hikes. But you know they come in mixed, and so the Fed's going to move. They're going to move probably 75 basis points, and we'll see what happens after that. But this market is not going to rally back, at least not any significant amount, until they're more comfortable with inflationary expectations and expectations of what Powell's going to do with the Fed. And, and as far as the economic data is concerned. Uh... If there are lots of indications that uh, there is a slowdown taking place, if not a recession already, and uh, if the mission is to break the back of inflation, is that something you want to see? Well, that's what happened in the '80s, and that's what the market is very concerned about: is that is that Powell's going to pull a Volcker. Now, that that actually was more necessary back then because we're talking about inflation numbers in the double digits, uh, but Powell is 
talking very hawkishly. So, you know, the mar- that scares the market. It, it, this is the most headwinds I've seen in the stock market since uh, the financial crisis in 08. So we've got a lot of things that are uh, working against stocks. I'm actually imp- impressed that the market is holding up. We On your show, we said at 4250 S&P that it was a sale. And, you know, we were right, and now we're at 3900 and we think it's around fair value, if not maybe going a little lower. But we're not going to get a rise in the stock market until the, the, the stock market participants are comfortable with inflationary expectations and what Powell is going to do. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, an upgrade that's being described as a game changer in the crypto industry. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're looking at a massive software upgrade by Ethereum that's creating a buzz in the entire crypto sector. Let's learn more from Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, tell us about this uh, software upgrade. And it sounds like uh, if it's fully successful, it's something that could take away a major uh, point of criticism against the entire crypto sector. I think you're right, Rob. And this is a silver lining. Clearly, it's been a tough year for cryptocurrency in general. We're seeing Bitcoin under 20,000. We've seen a trillion dollars of losses in cryptocurrency in aggregate. But when you talk about Ethereum, this is a really long awaited merge. We saw at midnight this happen. And this merge or this must-anticipated switch, it's a much more energy-efficient infrastructure. And that's really important because when you talk about Ethereum, arguably the most crucial platform in crypto, this is like a layer of software infrastructure that's going to support potentially $50 billion in customer funds and applications. So this was a really big deal. And this was the silver lining in 2022 after a pretty tough year for cryptocurrency. And uh, talking about uh, cutting cryptocurrencies, energy consumption, this merge, uh, cutting up by more than 99%, and uh, the energy consumption has been a, a major knock on the entire uh, crypto sector uh, for years by critics of it. Uh, why was the process of Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency so energy intensive in the first place? Well, if you think about the way they mine Bitcoins, and this was really, you know, Globally, you saw people looking where they could find the cheapest electricity to run the computers to utilize and solve the algorithms to win that Bitcoin or Ethereum. So all this type of energy was coming in or being drawn upon. They figured out how to become more efficient. And this is a part of the evolution. We talk about cryptocurrency. I'm a big believer of cryptocurrency in the long run, in the long term, I should say. Of course, there's price fluctuations of the actual coins from Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Tether. I think you have to understand that this is going to continue to improve, and this is going to be a part of our daily lives. Look at the Illinois Recorder of Deeds. When you buy or sell a house, that is now being utilized, and it has for the last eight years inside of blockchain. So blockchain, cryptocurrency, they're all coming together here, and we're just seeing it improve year upon year. So this is a big deal, a small celebration for the cryptocurrency. It really had nothing to celebrate. Year to date. With, uh, with, with this uh, much more efficient uh, process, and uh, uh, how, how does this change the space um, in terms of bringing people into it, in terms of the, in terms of the uh, valuation of cryptocurrencies? You know, describe, uh, we've, we've talked about how crypto's taken its lumps uh, since January. Let's talk about uh, the next year of crypto uh, with this new software. No, I think that's a great point. In short term, you're not going to see a dramatic effect or a turnaround. 
you're seeing cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, really be a proxy or correlated to the NASDAQ 100. We see the NASDAQ 100, the selling pressure in those mega cap stocks, that really is like a one-to-one correlation. So I think we have to continue to get through the volatility in the equity market, specific to these technology stocks, which in turn spill over. When you see people losing money in technology, they have to reduce their exposure to cryptocurrency. So there is a correlation, but you're absolutely right, Rob. I think longer term, when you do see the markets move higher, when you see people come back and breathe and realize that this technology inside of cryptocurrency is improving and evolving, you will see more and more adoption. You're also seeing more and more trading opportunities when you're seeing exchange. I know Citadel here in Chicago, or no longer in Chicago, I guess they moved down to Miami and Florida like everyone else. Uh, leaving the state. But nonetheless, you are seeing more and more people have the opportunity to invest, to invest in a safe way and own some of these cryptocurrencies. So it's a big positive, despite the fact we're not going to feel a relief today. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Join us this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, a star rapper terminates a deal with a national clothing retailer. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Kanye West is terminating his clothing company's deal with Gap, claiming contract violations. Let's get the latest now from Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, This is a a two-year-old agreement in which uh, Gap would sell Kanye West-branded clothes in its stores, or online, the stores that do remain. Uh, Has this been a successful partnership for Gap so far? Well, the real question, yeah, it's been better for Gap than it's been for Kanye, I suspect. But um, I don't, I never thought it was a good idea. And Mickey Drexler, who's the last guy that made Gap actually work, didn't think it was a good idea either because Gap is this very genetic, generic, I'm sorry, low end basically product. And that's not what Yeezy is, you know, that's basically higher end, cool fashion. And I never thought that really fit with the gap and I'm not surprised the agreement is ending and I don't think it's really any much to do with the way the contract was written. I think it was really a disappointment and I think the disappointment was the gap didn't do for his brand what he was imagining they would do and I'm not exactly sure why he imagined it was a good idea given how gap has struggled but for whatever reason he's not getting what he wanted out of it now he's going to go out on his own and I suspect that's a better idea. Does that also uh, illustrate the risk that uh, big uh, retailers uh, take when they uh, enter into uh, celebrity partnerships? Yes, you get the publicity. Yes, you get the brand name. But at the same time, you're also uh, attached to that celebrity's uh, personal problems, of which Kanye's had plenty in the past two years. (laughs) I guess that's true, but I don't think that's what's driving this. What's driving this is, is Kanye's disappointment with Gap, not vice versa. Um, but yes, I, it, that is always true. Anytime you sign up a celebrity deal, and very, very popular now, something horrible can happen or the celebrity can do something horrible or go through a very messy divorce. And it can really mess up your ability to market the product to the people you want to market to. So you've always got that risk in the process. But I think this was just not a marriage made in heaven when they started it. It just never seemed to click from my point of view of where that product should be sold. And I don't think Gap was the place. And I think it, you know, it's more into in my opinion. 
Jan Rogers Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.